Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 159 of the ETPHC team podcast with myself and Anna. Hi Anna, how are you? Hello, I am good, thank you. How are you? How is Austin? I'm swell, thank you. Austin is great. Like I'm in love with it already. We've I've had like 24 hours and I'm just, it's great. Like, Ooh. A really cool city. It's kind of like, kind of Cali vibes esque, but a little bit, a tiny little bit edgier than Cali, I think. Um, which obviously fits me because I am so edgy. Um, <laughs> like, a bit right. less hippie, or mm, a little bit, but I'm not sure. I'm going to a Zen meditation center. I think on Saturday, um, like a morning session. Yeah, they do. I know. Well, I feel like whenever I go somewhere, if they've got meditation centers, I, I want to try them because there's so many different types and the sort of stuff that I'm studying is Vipassana meditation but this one is Zen meditation so you do like a one hour beginner session and then you do like a three hour set chanting and meditation and then like a lesson a dharma lesson which is kind of like their um spiritual guidance book um so it's gonna be great so I'll feed back on the hippie side of that after that I mean that's not hippie obviously that's religious but um it will be yeah we'll see but it's just got street art everywhere which makes it just everything. street art makes everything cooler. Like you'd be in an absolute like dive with like nothing, like dirty, like nothing. But if it's got like street art, you're like, oh, this is beautiful. You need to come back here. There's there's a fabulous street artist in Loughborough. So. Is there? Genuinely, genuinely. Oh. Like, I've sort of actually paid him to do like some of the work on the more rundown buildings. It's great. Oh, that's cool. Um, next, time I'm, next time I'm in town I will photograph for you yeah. send me pics I've got so many I'm, I've not even put all of mine on my Instagram so we have some space in the night because every day I'm like oh, oh. <laughs> the one I saw the other day was like um, the only magic I still believe in is love oh well that wasn't street art that was just a sticker anyway cool um, how are you Georgia? I'm good thank you how are you? I'm great thank you great great okay excuse me also did any of you guys get this after covid you feel invincible you're like you can't catch me i've got COVID. i've had covid and you can't give me it so you get like at least a month of like i feel great not physically no i had the fatigue (laughs) yeah i know but aside from that aside from that like i I don't know if mine's fatigue or jet lag anymore so i just just, well yeah yeah. oh by the way also what they have here the dominoes have feta cheese I saw, I saw it at six o'clock this morning. I was like, I could still nail one now. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And I've blown it's so good. Yeah, it's just great. Dates are just great for so many, I mean, for so many things, obviously. It's still Texas. I, I haven't had COVID yet. Oh, Just yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's like. Unless I've had it and I've just one of these people that like didn't have any symptoms, which I really better. hope. But yeah, no idea. Oh, but now oh, I've said that maybe my time will come I don't know <laughs> it's a matter of time now You've yeah. it's, it's been like... a matter of time, time the whole time it's been nearly three years now and I'm like I kind of wanted to get it out of the way early on and I'm yeah. just like oh, <laughs> dreading it more and more I think you start to think that you're, that you're I start to think maybe I'm maybe I'm the type of person that doesn't get it like maybe I don't have the type of what like you know some people get it worse and better and I thought oh maybe I'm, I just won't get it and then bang <laughs> I genuinely think I'm immune I'm just like yeah I'm fine mutate away you can't get me um but every time I say it I'm just like oh you shouldn't have said that what's the space um okay let's hit crack and Anna do you want to go first yes and I will have to start with thank you clients for pulling your socks up and asking some questions this week (laughs) because I've run out last week um how do I make habit changes when life is so packed full and I don't have the brain space to implement these changes? So for reference, this client works, has three kids, busy mum, lots of duties going on. Um, I think 
try like most of us over like the, the thought of building a new habit takes up more energy than doing the habit and we over um before we expect something to be a bigger deal than it is and so the thought of it is like mm, I'm not even going to do it because it just thinks it feels like it's going to be too much already and sometimes that's actually more effort than actually just doing the thing um and I definitely would hold myself accountable to that also and um, but also not trying to do anything too ridiculously like unfeasible for you so I, let's use yoga as an example of I like we all know like I'm never going to be the person that's doing our sets all the time and that's just not who I am but I'll do five minutes of yoga in the morning and I've built a habit by doing five minutes of yoga most mornings it was five minutes and I I'm the first to put my hand up and say I don't have dependents I don't have children I don't have a partner to like work around and all these things it's it is infinitely easier for me like 100% I'm just I think sometimes we just kind of think that we have to do an hour in the gym when actually go in and do a half hour session set a timer for half an hour and do what you can do in that time supersets like cluster sets whatever it is that you need to do to cut that session shorter do that these habits that you build with this work of mindfulness of um like training habits nutrition habits over time they're not going to add they don't add they don't take away from your life they add to your life they shouldn't be adding a pressure but at least initially sometimes when you're building a habit yes it does require you to kind of say okay I'm going to get up 10 minutes earlier or I'm going to spend a little bit more time doing something and a little bit of time less time doing something else and I think that's the thing too is ultimately most things require some sort of sacrifice and we have to be more comfortable with that and that sacrifice sometimes those sacrifices are impossible or something that you don't want to do i.e I'm not going to sacrifice taking my kids to school so that I can go for go to the gym in the morning like totally feasible totally understandable but sometimes the sacrifice might be I need to get up 10 minutes earlier just to do five minutes of yoga in the living room before my kids get up that might be a, like a worthwhile sacrifice so I think accepting sometimes that you always have to sacrifice something for something else pretty much on the whole even if it's something amazing of like oh I've got this amazing job opportunity but I'm going to have to sacrifice my old work or doing something that I love in order to take this job like that's a great opportunity but it's still sacrifice and so we have to get I think a bit comfortable with what that looks like in our lives Mm. (coughs) habit building as well like you said start small but like start really small if like something like the hunger scale and we're introducing people to kind of getting used to just checking in with their body sometimes they make it out to be a really big kind of big deal and it feels like a lot a lot of work and a lot of effort and we might say like try and do it once or twice a day initially just to kind of get a feel for it but when people have found like there's a lot of resistance there because they're like it just feels it's like such a big thing to do I'll just make it even smaller and say okay just do it one time this week tell me when you're going to do it like before lunch on Tuesday five seconds move on and then nine times out of ten they're like oh actually it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be so I did it most I did like every lunchtime and this week I'm going to do it before every meal and I'm like okay great but if I'd said let's do it before every meal it feels like a lot so I think sometimes if you're feeling like there's so much going on just make it the smallest possible version of that habit and you'll surprise yourself with actually how much you can do most of the time Mm, I think the only thing I would add is I guess it ties into like 99 0.9% of our clients in being the perfectionist all or nothing type thinking so lose the idea that everything needs to be perfect like you were saying Georgia make it the smallest possible but okay you've not got your half hour for your yoga have you got two minutes where you can sit and breathe and that can be your mindful moment or however like think about how you're framing it to yourself and good enough is good enough that's a deep quote right there Maybe that'll be the title of the podcast. (laughs) Okay, Georgia, go for it. Uh, Unashamed market research, my own business here. I'm building a team here with the the dog's bits. I want to implement a wellbeing policy (laughs) to reinforce the sort of employer I'm trying to be. That is not a boring, stale, pale male accountant, but a life-focused one. 
If you were an employee, what sorts of things could an employer do or implement to make you really love them um, with the general way they treated you? Ooh. Great question. Um, weirdly, I was looking at the Google building yesterday and I imagine what was going on in there. I feel like they've got they've got that down, don't they? Um, I so I think on a on a grand scale, one of the best things that people can do, and this is totally not feasible for a lot of people. I know this. This is kind of just from the research. Having sh shorter working hours, um, is has been consistently shown to be better for productivity and employee well-being. Um, I think the Iceland study that was like the major study, and it looked at four days versus five days a week of working, and the outcomes for productivity were like significantly improved when people had shorter time frames to get their work done and I know Google work on output they don't work on hours worked which I think is cool um but that that's kind of a side I guess a side to that I think um specifically to well-being I think things like oh gosh I don't know. Also, it depends on what you love, right? I think having a, a room that's like free for mindful moments, like meditation, breastfeeding, has a yoga mat in there that you can go into and take 10 minutes out of your day at any time of the day and go in there and have that time to yourself. Cool. Um, I think... I don't, I actually don't, I actually don't know what else I would add. What do you guys think? I'm sitting there in silence. I have a friend who, I don't actually know what she does, big corporate job type thing, but they have, I don't think it's a full day, but like wellness afternoons where they have someone come in and maybe it's Pilates, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's, it's all the kind of, I guess psychological health. Um, but I was thinking, oh, the dog's definitely going to bark. The window cleaner's just come. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, not that I've just been doing my coursework or anything like that, but having like the ethical framework guidelines says that you are um, holding yourself accountable to your physical and mental well being, right? So you can show up as your best to your clients and maybe that's something that you actually ask them okay well what do they need because like you said everyone's going to be individual what do they need maybe that's for working days maybe that's an afternoon where you can all be I don't know a group activity team days something like that I like that they do do quite a lot of um team things in the afternoon on a Friday which is really nice and I know that off the back of um one of the habits that we were working on with uh her working days which is taking a proper break at lunchtime and taking a walk after lunch to get some fresh air that one of the things she's implemented now is that all of her team get half an hour a day to take a walk and they can take it whenever they want um I mean in winter probably daytime is going to be like lunchtime is going to be a best bet for some daylight but yeah I think that's a really nice place to start yeah I've got some research that I I, for building teams and like managing and leadership and stuff because <laughs> that's a key interest of mine and Google actually had like there was some research that looked at um what builds effective teams and they found that it was what mattered was not the people on the team but how they work together and there was like five key um five key things that impacted the quality of a team and the well-being of the team and it was psychological safety which is basically um the safety that someone feels or the that to be vulnerable to have ideas and to like avoid shame so they can take risks without like whilst feeling safe so that's led by you and there's there'll be loads of online resources on how you build psychological safety as a manager um dependability so like making sure that your team are setting boundaries with things like time and making sure that everyone is held accountable to that 
structure and clarity so expectations are set if one knows what they're doing meaning making sure everyone feels that they have a purpose in their work and impact so making people so making sure people understand the impact of their work um so i think if i was looking at well-being specifically i would probably focus on those types of things which is less about oh let's do a meditation class and more about well how am i leading from the front how am i ensuring that in every meeting that I have with staff, that they feel that they have psychological safety, that they feel safe to take risks. How am I setting up meetings? I know Brene Brown does something where, before some of her meetings, she gets people to write on a post-it something that they want to talk about, um, that's like, feels a bit uncomfortable, something to do with their work. And so that they've already got it on the post-it when they go into the meeting so that then they, they have to talk about it. Because obviously in meetings sometimes, you'll get people that just sit in silence and they actually do have a lot to say, but they don't necessarily say it. Um, so Brene's book, Dare to Lead, is quite useful for that side of things. Um, so yeah, I would look at those for ideas, I think. And obviously I've not given you specific ways on how to do that, but Google will help you with that if you're interested. Okay. Becca's question. Um, I've heard a few people who have said magnesium is a beneficial supplement supplement to help with sleeping better at night. Is this true or is it one of those that is hearsay? And if so, do many people take it on a long-term basis or would it just be a temporary help? Um, there's some, there's, it's usually, a lot, there's a lot of research that, or there's a lot of people have looked at magnesium and zinc and zinc and magnesium combined. And there's not a ton of research to support it, but there is, magnesium itself there is some evidence to say that it can help with sleep quality um and especially if you have maybe you're on a restrictive diet maybe you're vegetarian or vegan or if you struggle with pms and sleep during pms magnesium could potentially be beneficial um it can be taken there's not you're not gonna like, you can take it every day it's not one that you have to cycle and it's not one that you would have to take on a short-term basis um I think with sleep supplements, I don't know about you, but I think for me, I like to make sure that all sleep hygiene things are in place first because mostly because it's easier to rely on yourself than it is to rely on a supplement to get the thing that you need. So make sure that your sleep hygiene is optimal where possible. Again, within your lifestyle, it's not always possible to do all the things that are helpful, but you know, getting some daylight early in the day, stopping caffeine after lunchtime, minimizing screen time and blue light after dinner, um, not scrolling on your phone after dinner, maybe having your journal before bed, doing meditation actually at any point in the day is associated with improved sleep, making sure that you're not hungry when you go to bed, but that you're not overly full before you go to bed, having a cold room, maybe sleeping with an eye mask, um, those types of things I would make sure I was doing first and then if you're still struggling with sleep then I think it's worth a shot and also there's something to be said for the placebo effect too if you genuinely think that that's helpful to you then it doesn't matter if it's physiologically working or not um, I go for it. this is going to be real fun it's like the worst timing ever so apologies <laughs> if the dog starts barking. <laughs> um, I'll be moving to working from home more as of next week, one day in the office out of the full week. Do you have any tips for helping me keep myself accountable and in routine? So this is just kind of routine and habits in general, not related as such to nutrition. I like, I just think, holding yourself accountable to a schedule is really helpful if I ever struggled with this like sometimes in lockdown a little bit I would struggle with this like setting quite clear structure and sense of I would set a timer for 45 minutes 45 minutes for me is like a nice work time without distraction and so I'll implement this sometimes of I'm going to set a timer and actually have a conversation with the client about this the other day of doing this especially with boring work when you it's so easy to be distracted setting a timer and saying right I'm going to do solid work for 40 minutes or 45 minutes and I'll set a timer I'll put my phone away I'm not going to open any social media or do anything in, in this 45 minutes but then I'm going to take a programmed 15 minute break after that and in this 15 minute break is that's going to be my yoga block and then I'm going to do it again and then that, in that 15 minute break it's going to be my snack break 
and then again, it'll be my walk break, whatever it is, and being really regimented. And I, and I think that long term, that doesn't necessarily have to be the way that you go, but I definitely think if it's one day a week, then that's helpful. And like keeping in the routine is helpful. I think um, that's, that's probably my main, that's probably my main tip. Um, same, really love a bit of structure. I have similar in my diary, like it's color coded, it's very beautiful. Um, <laughs> not at all, OCD. Um, but yeah, I have nice little like sections for what I'm doing when I'm doing it. So I'm not kind of getting distracted. But I think when it comes to working from home, something that um, came up for a lot of people like during lockdown was the distraction of like, oh, I'll just go and do the dishes and like, oh, I'll get the washing done while I'm here. And I think if you know that those things are things that you think you want to get done while you're at home, like you were saying, Amelia, put it into your breaks so like have that work time and then say right when I finish this section I'll go and get the washing out and put it in the dryer or put it up to dry and then I'll walk away and leave that and I'll have my cup of tea come back to work and then at your next break then if you want to put another wash on great but it's really easy otherwise to keep pottering around and thinking oh, I'll wait 10 minutes for this to finish and I'll go and do that um and to feel like you've lost your structure and your routine so I think you've probably already got good habits if they've been working with you for a while Anna so it's just a case of probably managing distractions not distractions and um yeah keeping your regular kind of routine going by the sounds what are your thoughts I was just gonna add make sure that like because it because this client is can you hear the squeak yeah yeah it's lovely it's so cute no because this client does have set working hours, even from uh, even when she's working from home. I think making sure you're being firm with that boundary, because it's really easy to be like, oh, well, I'll just do those emails and get ahead for tomorrow. Like, if it doesn't need to be done, have that clear cut off point in the day when it's your time for the evening. Mm, such a good point. Georgia, go for it. I'm seeing all these amazing clients on Instagram who have trained at home with a young child or who've been on holiday and truly enjoyed themselves. And I wonder if that will ever be me. I feel lost and down and like there's a black line in my rainbow. Any advice or tips when you're feeling like this? When you know that deep down you want to be a better version of yourself, but you just don't care and put quite simply, you can't be bothered. This is interesting because I've had this thought about sharing sharing client stories before and that we never want to feel comparison. We share them to kind of remind everyone that wherever you are, it's absolutely possible to get to the next best thing for you. And it can feel really hard when you're in the thick of it. You think that you're, it's just you and that it's harder for you than anyone else for whatever reason, or you've tried everything and it hasn't worked. And so we share these things to kind of say, look, these people feel in the same way, felt the same way that you do, and it is possible. But at the same time, what we never want to do is feel comparison or feel kind of, why am I not there yet? And, and this is something that I think about regularly, um, but because there's pros and cons to these things. So this, this is, I don't think that you're probably alone in feeling a little bit like this when you see some other people's stories so I would say that um I would say you do care because you're asking this question and you do care because you're doing this work and I think sometimes we use not caring as self-preservation for something else because it's easier to say well I don't care than it is to say I find it too difficult or I'm scared of what this might mean for me, or I don't want to lean into these feelings and I don't want to, or some of our times we're scared to say, I don't want to stop binge eating. I don't want to stop emotionally eating or I don't want to regain my period, whatever it is, because we feel ashamed of that, even though it's all logical. And actually something I was writing yesterday is around like, your disordered eating habits make sense. They make sense. We just don't take the time to figure out how they make sense. We'd rather just kind of stop them straight away. And actually the, the, the easier or the kinder way to figure it out is to say, well, why does it make sense? How is the ceremony? So I think in this situation, 
like you might not be bothered we're not always bothered to eat protein three times a day we're not always bothered to go to the gym but we do it anyway because we know that it's aligned with what's most important to us and so I think in this situation if you genuinely are not bothered think about your situation and what is important to you and how this relates to actually what is important to you so I don't know say your body composition for example might not be important to you great fine but maybe um, these helpful behaviors impact your family life or your job or, or just like your free time if you're less preoccupied by food you can enjoy your Netflix more for example, if you're not overeating whilst you're watching Gamma, which would be very hard to do because it's just a compulsive program, um, then you can enjoy it more. Again, much enjoyment is the right word, although I did watch the film thing when I had COVID, so I'm not, I'm not criticising it by any means. Um, so really look at like what is important to me and whatever that is, there's no judgment for that. If what's important to you is just chilling and doing and chilling and alone time, great. How does this impact that? And, and, I think that's how you improve your motivation to change is to remember what, like, not remember your why, but to really figure out what is important to you and how that relates to that. I think the only thing I'd add to that is like when you are seeing what other clients are celebrating for themselves, that by no means is their end point, but also you don't really know how long they've been struggling working through the things they're working through to get there and something that I get asked a lot in check-ins and I don't know if it's the same for you guys but it'll be like why do I find this so hard like it's not just you that finds this hard like so many people ask that question so often because if it was easy you probably wouldn't need a coach to support you through it so I think just like you said be be compassionate with where you are Um, oh, it's me. Um, tonight's question. I think I'm on the border of having ADD. It can show up in the regularity of my eating. I can, can procrastinate eating and get too hungry, or I can get hyper-focused and forget to eat and thus get too hungry. Getting too hungry leads to overeating. Tips for regulating this, please. I'm just going to say listen to episode number 141 of the ETPHDT podcast because we go into it in a lot of detail. Um, in a nutshell, making sure that you're setting like an alarm for your food potentially is in this situation, probably the best idea. And making sure that the food sources that you've got are accessible and easy and um, they are, you don't have other foods, like for example, maybe ultra processed foods that are even more accessible and easy and in eyesight. But listen to episode 141 because we talk about it in a lot of detail. And go for it. Yeah. Um... Oh, I, am, I asked that one. Um, how do I stop the feeling of guilt that when I have a bit of downtime, I should be doing work on my business or working on something else instead of just enjoying having some time out? I feel like I need to be productive all the time and using my time better instead of watching TV, for example. I constantly have a list of things to do, creating content, working on qualification, learning Portuguese um, but I also think I'm allowed not to be busy all of the time so don't mix up your free time with your available time to be working like just because you're not working doesn't mean that you're being lazy it means that you're having time off and resting and if there is anything that I took away from um, level up in Edinburgh loud and clear will be Nicola Hobbs saying the importance of rest <laughs> and the downtime that allows you to feel truly yourself so when you are making content it's going to be higher quality when you are showing up for your clients it's going to be how you want to show up if you are learning Portuguese you're going to remember it um and I think you take more out of it that way but just certainly working on that myself still so <laughs> can relate I think we can all relate to that right mm. I think no, I've got it nailed <laughs> questionable um I think the law of diminishing returns is really important here if you're a coach when you're looking at working with your clients um you wouldn't have them training seven days a week because what happens they will start to lose strength they will be exhausted their recovery will be impacted and eventually their training quality is going to go down the same is true for your work like your clients deserve you at 100 percent or upwards of at least 90 percent 
if you're if you're working all the time and you're constantly like stressed or you're constantly feeling that you should be doing more and more and more how good is the quality of work that you're that you're doing with your clients there's a reason that we all cap our client numbers and there's a reason that I always encourage you you all to take time off and to go on holiday and to, to really switch off because for me personally our clients are our collective clients and if I thought Georgia's exhausted she's shown up and she's given that client a crappy service because she's exhausted that that doesn't reflect well on any of us as a team right where we are we are one and so you you really owe it to the work that you do to take that time out and have really be really intentional with your work so many people are like oh I'm overwhelmed I'm working all the time but you're doing five things at once you're fanning around with your phone whilst also emailing whilst also doing clients or you're taking ages to do anything because you're not focused and you're not deep into that work um and so the quality of that is not great but then it takes you longer to do anything <clears throat> and then when you're resting you're still doing social media you're still doing all of these things it can be hard to switch off especially when you think for as a coach and you want to show up every day which is obviously important <clears throat> excuse me um what this is i think it's <laughs> that's me that's because I said I'll never I'll get it again um, so I would say that the other thing I would say is I'm gonna have a drink the other thing I would say is <laughs> oh my god it's gone I think it's gone um, oh we've still got 20 minutes of the podcast left and it's going um, there will be always, there will always be something to do. I think you're always going to have something on your to-do list. And if you feel anxious every time you've not finished your to-do list, you are going to feel anxious for the rest of your entire life. Is that really the way that you want to live? I like to set up a list. I've got three lists on my phone. I'll have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the things that I have to do or I choose to do that day that are priority. They have to be done that day. Then I've got a <clears throat> soon list of things that I need to do soon. And then I've got a list at the bottom, which is ideas that I have now and again, that just keep coming up. And I'm like, I would love to do that at some point. It might be within the next three months. It might be within the next year, but it's stuff, stuff that I know that I need to work on. And so creating lists like that for yourself of like, must do every morning you get up, these are the things I must do. And then these are the things I'd like to do if I've got the time and these are the things that can wait can be really, really helpful because you have to get to the point where you accept that there are always going to be things to do. There are always going to be experiences that you want to have. You are never going to accomplish everything in your life. You're just not. And finding peace with that can be really, really empowering because now when you go to bed, it's not a thing that's on your brain because it's just always there and you've accepted that. So that's really important. And then of course, there's the other side of this. of like, we find so much worth in achieving that it was, it was probably a childhood thing a lot of you know you've got a lot of praise and a lot of love and acknowledgement for achieving for getting A's at school for doing more it's no surprise that after 10 years of education more than that 13 years of education at school you come out of school and you're now an adult and you, you want to achieve all the time and do more all the time shocking because you've got so much love based on that as you're growing up. And that's not a criticism of parents at all. It's just, especially millennials, is, is the vibe that we had. But you are not a child anymore. You are an adult. And working on or acknowledging and accepting your worth outside of achievement, knowing that you are worthy, even if you don't achieve, is so important. And that's what I think, that's a whole deeper struggle for a lot of people way beyond the scope of one podcast um, or one question on the podcast is why like if you feel really uncomfortable resting then it's probably related to that in some way that you feel guilty for not achieving why do you feel guilty for not achieving and, and improving your awareness of that is probably really helpful mm, I think it just comes down to how you frame rest doesn't it like you have rest days from your training because you know that that's actually going to help you progress and the same goes for work and everything else that you've got on in life 
Nicola has a free workshop on her website on uh, the relaxed woman as well. So if you do want to like work more and rest, that looks good to me. Georgia, a question. It's me. I'm very aware that cardio is causing an appetite increase way out of proportion to the minimum additional calories that I'm burning. Will this effect eventually wear off? Currently, I'm honouring my hunger and trying hard to include more protein. I'm not doing cardio for the calorie burn. I just love zooming on my new bike. She is likely <laughs> everywhere right now. <laughs> oh, I love you for that. Um, possibly, probably not. Um, I would say this might well be your current current hunger levels because of your activity levels and so therefore you probably might need to manage that um yeah there's some really cool research around this around um the differences the variability of people their hunger in response to exercise so like the the variability of how hungry someone how much someone's hunger escalates in response to doing more exercise so for example the three of us I might go for a run we all go for a run every day for the next month I might find you pay me yeah I don't know why I use that because none of us can picture it um but take Lynn with you yeah yeah Lynn can consider I could after that month or as that starts to like in two weeks find that my hunger is just like just feel insatiable and Georgia you might think oh yeah I'm a bit hungrier and I might you might think oh, I don't even know any difference there's this huge variability some people even feel that their appetite is suppressed for quite a while and they don't notice an increase in hunger and if not if some people find almost the opposite so I think that's really interesting and a bit of a side note um so no I think if if it depends on your goals but I would say if you are noticing that, just making sure that you're working on eating regular meals, not you're not snacking a lot because you're hungry, like that you're maybe being a bit more intentional with adding more um, fruit and fiber and whole grains uh, to your meals and more volume to your meals. And of course, if you're not on a fat loss journey, then adding in more calories to your meals, as opposed to kind of just trying to keep everything the same and then maybe finding yourself snacking a little bit more. Or you might be able to sit with that hunger. If you're on a fat loss journey, you might be able to sit with that hunger and just accept that you are a bit hungrier. Yeah, I was going to say, like, depending on the goal, obviously, is it is it a problem? And also, I think check in as well. Like, are you making a judgment on how this hunger feels? Because it might just be, it might be insatiable, but it might just be hungrier than you're used to getting. But you're judging it as too high. Okay. Um, Seth's question, how do you cope with feeling weak in one area? How do you manage ego? And I don't know if this is physically weak. I was going to say that. <laughs> I was thinking, is it a training question? I'm not sure. How do you cope with feeling weak in one area and how do you manage ego? I think it probably is a strength training question. Yeah. Well, we all have a weakness somewhere. Like even the strongest person is going to have one area of their body that isn't as strong as everything else because it's kind of how we're made and I certainly have imbalances so I suppose it depends how you want to tackle it you can spend time working on that area to kind of put more focus and more effort into it if it's like I don't know like a weak glute and weak hip maybe you'll do some unilateral leg work um I mean I don't I don't know what do you think guys think like I don't really think how a weakness somewhere holds you back in any way like obviously you can only work to the weakest part of your body so if you've got very weak core then press-ups might be hard on the floor but you just start in an elevated position and kind of bring yourself down as you get a bit stronger like in terms of ego lifting I think you probably just need to assess what you're in the gym for in the first place because you will always make progress but if you try and go from one to 100 it's really hard to to maintain that so if you're working with staff she's definitely going to be helping you to tailor your programming so that you're progressing gradually over time rather than trying to constantly be at like max 100% 1RM failure on every single lift and actually like building up gradually like what are your thoughts 
think we're kind of struggling to answer this because we're all kind of like well of course you're weak in one area that's the point mm-hmm. one of the points of strength training is that you're always working to improve that and so we're, so why wouldn't you have weakness in parts of your body like it's that's completely normal and genetically you're going to build muscle in certain areas more effectively and that muscle is going to contribute to your strength more effectively that's just genetics and again I think that's another reason we're struggling is that well that's just the way that you're that's natural it's just the way that your body is um so I think we don't cope because that we don't really recognize it as something to cope with um I don't have anything particularly to add on that other than stop expecting to be at an end point before you've even started. And obviously this person's obviously started, but your expectation of being at an end point of feeling strong enough is making you feel weak, if that makes sense. And I know that I don't like to say that, but in this situation, it does kind of matter. Um, Yeah, I don't... I mean personal experience in the last few weeks having had what I call a blip over the summer where I just gave up with training I had two weeks off and then just didn't put any effort in so (laughs) when I got my new training program I was like oh god everything feels heavy and like not just in one area all areas every body part is now weaker than it was and it's kind of like to a lesser extent going back after lockdown and it can be really hard not to make those comparisons to what I was lifting before so I spoke to Dan about it and I was like I just I'm trying to put the ego aside yes I want to get stronger but for the moment I really need to focus on what I am lifting lifting as well as I can focusing on form focusing on on engagement and just making progress as and when it happens making sure that I've got everything else in place that I'm resting that I'm sleeping that I'm eating what I need to be to make that progress and like I said just put the ego to the side it will the progress will come it might not look as what you hope for but it's individual for you Mm. and don't compare to like other parts of your body or other people because or your past self like Anna's just saying if I compare to my last self my past self I would be like Jesus Christ what I've lost a lot of muscle you know what that reminds me so last week I was doing military press in one of the squat racks and a girl next to me was like oh my god your upper body is so strong I was like that is the validation I needed I came home and I was telling my friends and they were like yeah but like you're not as strong as you used to be (laughs) what (laughs) and obviously they're comparing like competing days when I really put everything into it I was like well that was a come down real fast (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah I mean it's it can can be quite saddening when you think about it I think I used to hip thrust something like 190 and now if I hip thrust I don't even use the barbell there I use a glute drive but I think if I did it now it would be like 120 that's 70 kilos off my arse that's that's a sad place to be but again all we have is now all we have is now and be present focus on what you're doing now not what you have done and worrying about what might be focus on am I training well is my form good am I left and close to failure regularly am I well fueled for training am I recovering because that's all we have is is these moments so focus on that I was going to flip that a bit as well and say actually sometimes when if you're new to lifting which this person may be like we, we don't really know but when you're new to lifting you do get those newbie gains where you see jumps in strength quite quickly and you kind of think like I am unstoppable at this rate like I'm a power lifter but actually the more trained that you are over time the slower progress is so the difference between adding like five kilos onto like a, like a military press for example could actually take months and months if not that could be something for the year depending on how you're like um planning it so I think sometimes as well like don't expect we say this with everything but don't expect progress to be linear like you're not going to always keep adding five kilos every week every month and two reps or whatever like manage your expectations for what you're going to see in the gym Anna. 
Um, so in your experience, when working with people that are gaining weight and muscle with training and eating more, do they end up looking different than they thought they would? I am working on the fact that I don't actually know what my body will look like when I gain weight. I am just assuming I won't like it and so will feel really nervous about it. But actually, is it just my brain filling in the blanks as a way of predicting the future when actually it might not look like that at all? Also, thank you for asking my question last week. It was so helpful. What a great question. I know, right? Bad question. Um, you, you, no one knows. I think everyone has an idea in their head of what their body's going to look like in either direction, either because they've seen someone that they have like body goals of or because they have a fear of gaining weight or fear of losing weight, whatever it is, um, you never, you're not going to know. And so I don't think it's necessarily helpful to think about what it's going to look like. Again, similar to the last question, really focusing on now and what you need to do now and catching yourself on obsessing or overthinking or being preoccupied with what that's going to look like, calling yourself on that and coming back to, well, okay, well, what's important now? Let's deal with those things that I can't control. Uh, what it looks like outside of that is is sort of not there's nothing you can do to change that other than what you're currently doing um I don't think necessarily people are I don't I've never had feedback that the expectations have not been met in terms of their body um but what I think is always really interesting is people expect their body image to worsen in this situation if you're trying to like so I don't know if the person has HA or if they're just trying to get a bit healthier or um in these situations often we have this kind of internal idea that as I gain weight, my body image is going to plummet because I'll be in a bigger body because we've internalized this thin ideal of thinner is better. And so bigger is worse, but that's not what you see. And as much as body image is not specifically related to your body size, there are some correlations. I don't like when people say it's got nothing to do with your body size whatsoever. There is some, there is some relationship there. Um, but what you tend to find is more like a bell-shaped curve-ish of when you're in a smaller body than is optimal for health, you generally have a lower body image and you fear that as you gain weight, it's going to get lower. But what tends to happen is actually your body image starts to improve as things like your energy levels, your mood, your sex drive, your confidence, your strength, your energy levels. I think I said that already. As <laughs> things actually improve, your body image generally improves because it's how you think and feel and behave around your body, right? Your body checking tends to go down and those things tend to improve your body image. And then maybe when you're in a larger body, we don't, when you're in a larger body, you tend to still see a lower, slightly lower body image compared to when you're in a, a kind of, I'm going to use BMI as a reference range here, but like as a quote-unquote healthy BMI range, um, your, your body image does tend to slightly improve or not necessarily improve, but we see an association between people in a healthy BMI and a slightly higher body image than compared to people in a higher BMI range-ish. On average, definitely not the case for everyone. So we get this kind of bell-shaped curve. So I think that's the part I think that surprises people. Yeah, most definitely. I think when you are having those wobbly days, like, the list that you just reeled off like keep in mind what you're gaining from the process as a means to yes this feels uncomfortable but actually it's for the greater good mm. and a question george i just asked that one no oh georgia for me? <laughs> i mean i can ask again go for it georgia yeah okay I recognise the sales pitch of the eight week transformation, for example, is misleading. And I also realise that what we're learning on ETPHD is transformational in the long term. But in a far deeper way, the process is key to success. But as someone who loves a deadline and is motivated by a definitive outcome, as well as interim achievements, do you have any insight into how I can build in a greater sense of momentum for myself? What great self-awareness. Yes, you speak to Georgia about this and Georgia sets your weekly goals to hit. Like, and I'm sure that you are doing that, but things like strength goals can be really helpful. Sometimes I'll set strength goals for my clients of 
like I can see what they're lifting we go and get where they probably got more in them and I'll set strength goals easy um thing for you personally to set for yourself as well if that's important to you I think making sure that each week and specifically as well each month you're looking back over the month and saying what have I, what's changed this month what are my big wins from this month like making sure you're taking the time to journal on that or just or having that conversation with Georgia is really really helpful um so you can quantify it a little bit um and anyone else I think some of the mini deadlines are things where clients talk about events that are coming up for example they might have like a dinner coming up in three weeks time and the idea might be at that point for them to want to be able to eat something that has been off limits in the past or to be able to go with an intention of stopping at a comfortable level of fullness rather than overeating which might be their normal kind of behavior when they go out for a meal um and have that's why those kind of like any events coming up sort of questions it's not so we just sort of have this big marathon to work towards it's more like what's going on in life that we can use as a place of okay at that point what would you like to work towards or some people might be going on holiday and feel like I would like to feel comfortable in a bikini at that point or feel less self-conscious getting in the pool at that point and then rather than kind of putting work off and thinking oh yeah but that felt uncomfortable I don't want to do it it kind of gives them the motivation to think okay, right, I'm doing this because actually in a few weeks time, I really want to have done this work so that I can feel a little bit more confident when I go and do this. So I think they can be nice, quantifiable to the individual kind of mini goals to keep you going along the way, knowing that your ultimate goal and ultimate outcome might be a couple of months or a couple of years away, depending on what you're working through. What are your thoughts? Anything else? No, I think no. we're going to leave it there sorry I interrupted you but I did see you say no I wasn't like no no answer from you um, <laughs> thanks everyone for the questions keep them coming in thanks guys so much bye, bye. thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please do feel free to like share subscribe and review and if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.